Hello, it's RJ. Before this episode of I Don't Know History actually begins, I'd like to point out I do apologise. This episode sounds like it's on AM radio because I chose the wrong microphone option when we began recording. I do apologise. Uh, just pretend you're in the 1950s hearing about the Cold War. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back to another exciting edition of I Don't Know History, featuring me, the historian Alex, and my uh, my companion, RJ. Say hello, RJ. All right, you didn't have to say companion like it was like I'm either your whore or or your bitch. No, like the Doctor Who companions. Oh, history uh, companions through time. Yeah, that works. That, that works. does work. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> uh, yes, I don't know history. Um, which I don't know. This you is gonna, your, I don't know. You're going to show up on the mic to be honest, actually. This is actually quiet. the first time I'm actually quite quiet for this <clears throat> podcast. Um, point being, I don't know history. And this is your podcast, which is quite funny mm-hmm. because normally it's. It, it's like it's I don't know history, but it's your podcast, so it makes it out like you don't know history when it's just I don't know. History. Oh, I do know history. Archie doesn't know history though. I have no idea about history. Actually, I'm a pretty dumbass when it comes to it. What did we cover last time? The Cold War. We covered part of the Cold, Cold War. War. Well, not even it half. It wasn't even half. It was a uh, third. <clears throat> well, it, we covered sort of between 1946 to 1954, which is about eight years. <laughs> it went on for how long? Twenty. Oh, it came to be longer than that, about 60 years. Oh my god. About 60 years, that made it 2006. I meant 50 years? 55 years. It depends when you think it ended. <clears throat> Basically, the reason it was split, so it's, it's so um, front loaded, let's say, is because a lot of stuff happened in the, uh, the start up to the Cold War. The beginnings of the Cold War. 1946, obviously, World, 1945, World War II ended. 1946, there was a lot of American-Russian aggro because finally they could decide that they were enemies and Germany wasn't in the picture anymore. Uh, yeah. How to divide up Germany, etc. Do you remember anything particularly from that podcast? <sighs> particularly in that podcast. It's just ended as soon as World War II kind of did depending on what you think about that kind of thing um and it's a war that isn't like it was all like a threatening Mm -hmm. war where people weren't really involved it's just it's a very a lot like a lot happened Uh can you name me can you name me a russian leader Putin. no a, a russian leader from that podcast really Really? I told you I'm going to fail the test. This is what I mean. As soon as you put me on the spot, guaranteed later on, I could okay. be in work and someone you. goes, oh, what about the Cold War? I'd be like, oh, we were actually talking about in work. We were talking about the Battle of Hastings. <laughs> we were talking about um, Britain being invaded. Because I was just like, oh, yeah, like a bunch of different people. Um, like a lot of us are pretty much French. And not only that, uh, like background-wise, and so like, oh, you, you can see typically like in other countries, so like in the Scandinavian countries, they pretty much look roughly the same. There isn't that much difference in say like in white people there. But you come to the UK and there's such a vast difference yeah. of white people yeah. due to the fact of just cultures coming here and you know well, the attempts of invasions and stuff like that. That's because RJ history uh, crafts the world. Knowing about history is to know about 
your place in the world. The thing is, I wouldn't have been able to have that conversation in work if it wasn't for this podcast. And somewhere out there, you might be listening and thinking, well, I wouldn't have been able to have a conversation either had I not listened to episode two of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And here so, we are in episode... This is what I mean. Six or seven. You put me on the spot, I'm going to go, don't know. Okay, don't know. I'll give you a clue. His first name is Joseph. Stalin. Stalin. Joseph Stalin. See, there we go. I know. I know history. Speaking of Joseph Stalin, this second part, second and concluding part of the Cold War podcast is going to begin with Stalin's death, uh, as we ended with Stalin's death last time. <laughs> Have you seen The Death of Stalin? Uh, no, film? because I'm really interested his to face see it. in it, and I, want to, I wanted to see it, and then that guy um, from Arrested Development's in it, and it's like, oh, I can't go see it now, because... Oh, apologies, that's the air freshener. Jeffrey Tambor? Yeah, because of what I he mean, did. Yeah, it's also got Steve Buscemi and... Can we just get a version of it where he's not in it anymore? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he plays Malenkov, so he's pretty important, unfortunately. But no, I just mean like recasting. <laughs> oh, it's recasting with yeah. Kevin Spacey. No, <laughs> <laughs> don't make jokes. So in 1953, Joseph Stalin, the most iconic Russian leader of all time, except perhaps Lenin, mm-hmm. died. Boo-hoo. Lenny Kravitz. Boo hoo! Lenny Kravitz. What? Oh, I see Lenin. Yeah, <laughs> Stalin wasn't um, a very... Throughout history, he's, he's not gone down as the most popular man, seeing as he <laughs> murdered so many people. Um, so, do you know who became premier after Stalin's death? Um, Putin. Well, there were, no. In 1953, <laughs> there were many people. There were Beria, Malenkov, and Molotov, who we've already mentioned several yes. times, so that's several podcasts. Who were all sort of jockeying for power, but they were all they were deposed and or pushed aside by the man who had become the premier, Nikita Khrushchev, who's a an, another iconic name in Soviet history, who became the Soviet leader. Um, so Khrushchev was a bit strange in that he, while he was uh, a super communist, he loved communism. Uh, he condemned Stalin's actions. In the 1956 uh, Congress of the Communist Party, he actually catalogued and denounced many of Stalin's crimes. Uh, and began a process of de-Stalinization, attempting to reform Stalin's policies. He was still pretty unpopular in the United States. But what were the problems with Stalin's policies? Well, there were massive levels of industrialization. Basically, what Stalin was trying to do was take Russia from an agricultural state into as industrial a superpower as, say, America or Britain were. Now, do you know how long the Industrial Revolution lasted, Ajay? Industrial Revolution. What, what year are we currently in? In this... In this one, we're in 1953. The, the British gonna, Industrial Revolution. The, oh, the British one. I can't, because I was going to say 100? 1750 to 1900, the British Industrial Revolution started. Oh, right. Um, in 1926, don't quote me, when Stalin took power. <laughs> yes, the podcast, well, we're meant to be serious as fuck. When st- I, I mean, the, fact, I, the facts are there in the last podcast. Listen to that one. <laughs> So when Stalin took power, so when he was out of power, the country was completely industrialized. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had several what he called five-year plans. So in about 15 years, he managed to push Russia's industry into competition with the rest of the Western world, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that, that was a massive weight to undertake on the Russian people. And so these huge factories were put up and people were conscripted to the work. And loads of them died in unsafe work conditions because this is the 50s and health and safety doesn't exist, ladies and gentlemen. And so many people were 
if you were classed as an enemy of the state, you were sent to a gulag, which is like a work camp, and exiled to Siberia. And he was just extremely bloodthirsty and barbaric. And any, anyone at the top of an autocratic government is extremely paranoid and has all his enemies killed, basically, which is what Stalin did. People think Stalin's death toll uh, eclipses that of Hitler by huge amounts. Well, then. Yeah. He's not on Mao. We'll talk about Mao later. Wonder so, what, like, like, obviously, mm-hmm. history is written, written by the winners. Yeah. Uh, and let's take a look at our history. I don't want to get too political belly. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I wonder what ours, like, like, you take a look at our presidents and prime ministers in the Western world and be like, what are their death tolls? If you think about it. Well, if you... Excuse me. You're about to sneeze. If you consider Churchill instrumental in joining the first, the Second World War, his death toll is huge. If you discount wars and such, then... Not you can much. also take a look at, say, like... Because, say, like, with... Say, like, our government currently... Mm-hmm. Mass amounts of poverty. Yeah. Um, so, all, all people not being able to have heat in their homes. Mm-hmm. Lots dying because they can't have heat in their home. They're well, pretty, essentially freezing to death. throughout history and how many trillions of people they destroyed. Scumbags. Colonialism, yay. The Empire. For the Empire. So everyone sort of thought when Khrushchev came into power, because of all these things, maybe there was going to be a slight de-escalation of hostilities and tensions, let's call them. No, you were wrong. Um, He addressed the Western ambassadors of the Polish embassy and said, whether you like it or not, history is on our side. We will bury you. He said that to the Western leaders. Um, which raised enormous concern in the West amongst leaders, such as the new president of the United States, Dwight D. Eisenhower, <laughs> former army general. Remember I talked to you in the Civil War episode about yeah. how if you, were a, if you were a former army general, you became the president? Yeah. That's pretty much exactly what happened. I'm talking. Sorry, I'm just trying to get the microphone closer. <laughs> and so Eisenhower and his secretary of state started a new, remember I talked to you about containment? Yes. Start a new containment strategy using nuclear weapons as a deterrent to any Soviet aggression. Such as in the Suez crisis in 1956. A lot of my reactions to the things that you say are sighing, okay, and ugh. I mean, people are shit. Yeah. So, um, nuclear plans for retaliation involved destroying huge numbers of communist civilian centers. I think they had about 1,200 on the docket. If, if there was a nuclear attack from Russia, this is what they would do. They would systematically destroy all these communist centers. Yeah. Moscow, Beijing, East East Berlin, among like, uh, over a thousand others. So there you go. That's what Eisenhower was willing to do. You know how you can like you can see the the change of race as you go through the just through the planet, essentially. Yeah. Uh, even with accents, that's the same. Mm-hmm. You say, like, you travel from, say, like, um, just Asian countries through all the way to us. You can mm-hmm. see the, the change of people. So, you can, obviously, you've got, say, like, you can, you can see Scandinavia, you can see Germany, you can see France. Not 100% sure where you're going with this, but... No, uh, what I want to know is, Russia and China yeah. are, you know, bloody well close. Mm-hmm. Where's that? <laughs> oh, they're two distinct racial groups. No, no, but just, like, they're so close. And, like, you compare it to, say, like the obvious blend mm-hmm. going through, those two countries are pretty uh, different. Well, I mean, Newcastle and Leeds have very different accents. No, not just accents, I just mean, it's like, 
racism. But also, so that's that you say that there are a lot of um, vaguely sort of Mongolian-looking people um, in Russia. No, no. Um, a lot of Kazakh people. Uh, Kazakhstan was a Soviet Socialist Republic. They're a lot more sort of uh, Eastern-looking, let's say. I don't know, like we were just talking about this the other day because I brought up the whole accent thing. You yeah. can see the blend. Because <clears throat> say like if you go say from South Africa, you you come further up. So say like if Australia, you can get if you come from Australia through Africa kind of thing. There's a certain twang that you can kind of hear there, and then you start going further up, and then you start hearing more say like European kind of thing. Yeah, just the blend. I, yeah. You just slowly hear stuff drop off and pick up. A lot of it is about uh, language as well. Yeah, because but then I was also thinking because like the whole you were saying about the whole like with Britain, we're a mishmash of mm-hmm. fucking everything. Um, but you do see that blend from France all the way to Italy, and say like through the Scandinavian countries of just typical traits of different races. Mm-hmm. I was just like, Russia and China, though very close, are typically very different looking. <laughs> Division looking, yes, that's true. That is true. That is what, yeah. It's, yeah, it's an odd one. But it's just about um, sort of racial boundaries and things like that. And so many people who would consider themselves Russian now, a hundred years ago, would have considered themselves something completely different just because of the size and scale of the Soviet Union. I guess. So if you think about um, Soviet Union span from Poland to, you know, Manchuria, which is a, was a Chinese state, and Kazakhstan and places like that. People from Kazakhstan and people from Poland are completely different ethnically and racially, but they were all Soviets. Yeah. You know, even though inside the Soviet Union they would consider themselves, oh, I'm I'm uh, Lithuanian. I'm from the Lithuanian Socialist Republic. But said the Soviet Union the same was very much similar in the sense of the British Empire that we had so many different places across. Whereas I'm just talking locationally. Yes, but that's what I was the Soviet about. Union was one country. True. It was one sovereign nation. It just kept growing outwards. Yes. Whereas we just dotted everywhere. This isn't. This is kind of history, mm-hmm. but not the history of the Cold War. Continue. I'm sorry. I've, did, I've done it again. Well, I mean, it's about the Soviet Union, so I don't mind so much. Thank you. <clears throat> it's just something I picked up along my trip. Where was I? In, oh gosh. Let me just go back a second. <laughs> sorry, buddy. Oh yeah, the Eisenhower and his nuclear plan. Right. So in order to sort of. Again, sort of to counteract this huge deterrent, um, there was a formal declaration of alliance between the Eastern Bloc countries. There had already been existing alliances between the Soviet Union and various Soviet socialist republics, um, but this was called the Warsaw Pact, which happened in 1955. If you think of it as the communist or Eastern alternative to NATO, mm-hmm. the more of a military pact. Yeah, and the first, the first real uh, instance of the Warsaw Pact in play was in 1956. Hungary revolted against the non-Stalinist government. So after Stalin died, there was a new government that was put in place um, under sort of Khrushchev's um, Soviet Union, and they didn't like that in Hungary. And they tried to re-establish free elections, but the Soviet army and several of the Warsaw Pact countries uh, completely destroyed it. We touched briefly on this in the last one mm-hmm. as well, just the whole destabilization of just everyone. It's becoming it's slightly more stable. The com- yeah, because communism was like, everyone started getting different ideas about it. Yeah. And someone yeah. was crashing with Yeah, it's like, exactly the no, same way. So common form and common turn, the Warsaw Pact kind of um, author, made, it, made an orthodox 
way of, com of practicing communism. Um, so throughout the 1950s, the 50s, I'm going to slightly zip through with the exception of the Korean War, which we covered last time. Um, because there are problems in what's called the third world. Now, where the third world came from, as, as we, we don't say third world anymore, we say um, economically developing countries. Mm -hmm. But the third world as we knew it in the 90s and early 2000s um, was coined in the, in, the, in the Cold War. The Americans and the, and the rest of the West talked about them being, we're, we're split into three worlds. The first world being uh, America and Britain and the Western powers. The second world being, not, not to do with necessarily like ranking of, of ec em, like economy or power or anything. But they would just thought, we're like the first world, and then there's like a second world over there, which was Russia and the Soviet Union, and then everywhere else was just called the third world. So the third world at this point was, people considered places like uh, Latin America, uh, South America, Africa, uh, Asia, where not China and Russia, obviously, to be considered the third world. And there were numerous problems in the third world, um, kind of helped along by either government. So in Iran, uh, the Prime Minister Mohammad Mossadegh was ousted and put, they put the Shah of Iran, uh, Mohammad, Mohammad Reza Shah, I think his name was, that, at that point, I should know this, I'm Iranian, um, <laughs> it put him in ultimate sort of autocratic power, military coups in Guatemala, ousted the left-wing president, there was fighting between CIA-backed rebels and the, and the national government in Indonesia, there's a coup d'etat in Congo, there's communist, communist wins in an election in British Guyana were forced out by the UK government because they still had uh, say over British Guyana, problems rising in Vietnam, the first Vietnam War. Um, <clears throat> which was resolved fairly quickly, but in a, in a conference in Geneva, Vietnam was split between the North and South, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, all these things, basically, all the American, um, all the capitalist wins in these countries were backed by the CIA, which was a recently formed organization as far as this is concerned. A lot of federal institutions were formed, uh, federal, federal institutions that dealt with uh, outside America, so foreign security and things like that. Um, interestingly, in the 50s as well, this will come up later, there was a Sino-Soviet split, Sino meaning Chinese for some reason. Um, Mao Zedong, which we've done before, Mao Zedong, you laugh at his name because you laughed at Dong because you're a child, yeah. uh, did not agree. While he got on with Stalin, he was firmly Stalinist. He didn't get on with Khrushchev at all. And these two countries began a long propaganda war and fought bitter rivalry over the leadership of the global communist movement. So who was sort of number one communist? Was it Khrushchev or was it Mao? <clears throat> and they, they just didn't get on. It was, it was strange because they were so buddy-buddy. Uh, let's talk about the space race. The space race. Ah, oh, space race. I'm fully invested in this. The space race is kind of nice. It's a nice little, uh, just a side to all the whole. It's a side the quest in the, in the story that is the planet. Yes. It is, it is, you're walking along and suddenly someone gives you this quest to go to space. And it's <clears> talk like, to me. This is a very weird side Tell me what you know this. about the space race, RJ. So... When was the first man-made satellite launched into orbit? Oh, you're a piece of shit. Now you have the dates. Mm -hmm. I was just going to briefly gloss over what it was. What was it called? So, uh, I don't know. Who, who, who launched it? Russia. Yeah. I know Russia won the initial space race. Who could get to space first? And they launched um, there, but America won the... Um, the race to the moon. the moon race. The moon race. What year? Um, it was 1957. Mm -hmm. They launched Sputnik. 
into orbit. Yeah. Who was the first man in space? First man in space mm-hmm. uh, was a Russian man, wasn't it? Because there was just into space, not yes. Out he, I believe space. he orbited the Earth once and then came uh, back down. Yes. 1961. His name was I don't, uh, Yuri Gagarin. I wish I'd remember that. And then uh, eight years later, in 1969, America put a man on the moon. Or three men on the moon. Mm-hmm. Two men on the moon. If you go a bit further back, you get the movie, oh fuck it, it came out like this year, it was really good. Uh, continue. The Martian. No. The, okay. That was last year anyway. Uh, what was the first man on the moon's name? What? What was the, man, what was the name of the first man on the moon? <laughs> I was about to say Buzz Aldrin. No, He's like the that. second. Yeah, I don't know the first. Really? 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 Neil Armstrong. Yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> I get the two, the two blend in my head. To Buzz Aldrin's alive. There's a, there's a clue as well. Oh, there we go. Buzz Aldrin's really Hidden passionate. Figures. Hidden Figures. Hidden oh, yeah, Figures is a yeah, very yeah. good film about the uh, the wonderful <clears throat> ladies uh, that helped calculate that calculate space. There's a couple nice... Not um, calculate space, but calculate yeah, yeah. how to get to space. There's a couple nice pop culture references in here for you, RJ, at some point. Good. Um, or some that I I've got to do. I don't know pop culture with you. That's <laughs> why we, we are planning that. So 1959. Do you know what else happened? Uh, 1959. I think my mum was born. Well, was she born in Cuba? No. Well, there was a revolution happening in Cuba, so that's good. Oh, there we go. Guess who sees power? Uh, guess who, who gets power? Who sees power, power in, in Cuba? The communist leader recently left power. Oh. <laughs> you know I'm really bad at names, so please excuse it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you were referring to said person just leaving power, but the name that was about to come out of my mouth is Sputnik. And I'm like, yes, the satellite that just went into space at this it's point. power. power. It became sentient. Come on, who was it? I'm going to hate my... I, no, I give up. The people at home are shouting at you, RJ. Good job. You I just threw tea on yourself as well. Yeah, his name was Fidel Castro. <sighs> now that I say it, you're like, of course Fidel Castro, right? Yeah, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. This is what I mean. I'm really bad at names. I'm good at faces, which is why I'll recognize a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Just throughout my life and go, I've forgotten your name. Maybe I've forgotten your like story. But I know, I know who you are. Dwight Eisenhower did not like the communism in Cuba. He, he was really strongly opposed to it. So just before he left office, he severed all relations with Cuba. Mm-hmm. So in April 1961, uh, John F. Kennedy had a very difficult job ahead of him. John F. Kennedy recently uh, inducted, I was going to say, no, um, sworn in as president. Mm-hmm. He mounted a CIA-organized invasion of Cuba at somewhere called the Bay of Pigs. Don't ask me what it's called, the Bay okay. of Pigs. Uh, it was... I, to t- try and get rid of the communist government. It was massively unsuccessful. It was a huge failure, and it made America look like a bunch of idiots. Makes sense. So in response, Castro fully embraced uh, Marxist-Leninism, so like the old-school way of communism, and the USSR pledged their support. So because of JFK and its silliness, um, the USSR have an ally right there. Fools. Yeah, it's just, just like a couple of miles away from Florida. Why don't people you know? just sit down and talk, you know? I don't know. <clears throat> I really it's don't hard. know. Cuba will come up again. I'll tell you about it. But before I, before I tell you that, I'm going to talk to you about the Berlin crisis. 
1961 Burning Oh Christ. my god, 99 Red Balloons. Okay. It might be that. No, so that's, I told you about the 99 Red Balloons in the last podcast. Through the 50s, yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, emigration to the west from East Berlin and the eastern parts of Europe uh, was being made much more difficult through um, embargoes and laws and just checkpoints and stuff. Uh, there were huge checkpoints at the Brandenburg Gate, which is in Berlin, and all along the sort of the Iron Curtain, as Churchill called it, mm-hmm. um, though many still managed to get across, thousands and thousands. Um, what, this, what this led to was something called the brain drain. Now, the East Germany, as I said last time, was kind of being starved of resources, didn't really have anything, anything going for it, didn't have money, didn't have the resources to fund these young, educated, intellectual professionals. So a lot of scientists and architects and lawyers and those sorts of educated people started leaving started going to West Germany. In order to stop this happening, the brain drain, they call this the brain drain. In order to stop this happening, the USSR issued an ultimatum to the West to remove troops from West Berlin, to stop like helping people come through. The West refused, mm-hmm. and a barbed wire barrier was erected along the checkpoint between East and West Berlin, which would later become the Berlin Wall. Yeah. So the Cold War has been going on for 16 years at this point. The Berlin Wall is being erected in 1961. Yeah, which is the first like real kind of look look at this divide. There is a, there's now a physical divide between West and East. Not so much just an ideological and uh, political divide. There is a physical divide between West and East. You can tell just by this happening that right that things are. Escalating. You can see like finance like financially just by looking yeah. over each yeah. side of the wall. You can see like you turn around like pretty nice you turn the other way it's like oh that is clearly fucking well people people wanted to be respawned they were trying to get out and that's why they had to put up this wall in order to stop people from going through yeah why they felt they had to put up this wall um like this is one of the one of the easiest things to highlight when you talk about escalation of hostilities and the next thing is probably the height of hostilities in this period uh, it's referred to as the cuban missile crisis you heard of it yes in 1962 Essentially, John F. Kennedy wanted Castro out of Cuba, and he went through various plans to try and get 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 him away. So they would fly spy ships over, spy planes over. There were CIA plans to assassinate Castro, all sorts of things. Khrushchev, the premier of the Soviet Union, learned about all these plans, and in order to basically stick it to JFK, uh, planned to place Soviet intercontinental ballistic missiles in Cuba as a form of deterrence. Like, if you mess, up, mess with Cuba, our allies, we will launch nuclear we- weapons at you, and we, we can hit wherever because we're in Cuba. Mm-hmm. So in order to stop these intercontinental ballistic, ballistic missiles being sailed from Russia to Cuba, there was a massive US naval blockade. Have you seen X-Men First Class? No. I don't really watch X-Men. Unfortunately. Okay. The, the Is whole that thing, where you were going to base your complete pop culture? A little bit. There's a, <laughs> you fool. You don't know pop culture. What are you going to teach me about pop culture? Yeah, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen X-Men. I saw Logan. I haven't seen X-Men. Anyway, so there's this whole... I just, X-Men's like the okay. cheesy version. You guys at home, if you've seen X-Men First Class, you know the whole scene where they're flying around trying to stop the ship getting through the blockade. That's that's the Cuban Missile Crisis. They were they were going to... He, he should not I, mean, I know of the Cuban Missile Crisis. I've read multiple yeah. stories of JFK, people just being like, I went, like, they go to bed at night, just tensions are very high that night, and they're like, last oh, about a month. I don't know if I'm going to wake up in the morning. Yeah, kind of because JFK that. said, if you send ships through this blockade... We will launch a nuclear missile. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it. 
and it it nearly happened. It nearly happened. But Khrushchev was the smart man, and he backed down to avoid all-out nuclear conflict because it would have destroyed the world. Yeah. No one wants to be the one to push that button. Castro and Che Guevara thought they were going to die. They were like, we fought for we fought for our independence, we fought for our rights. Why we don't care? We'll continue to fight. And we'll die for it. It would have been it would have been the end of the world. You just got to think of that. It came this close until cooler heads prevailed. You know. That's the weird thing. We become so smart that we can just kill ourselves in. <laughs> However, <clears throat> this did not sit well with some senior Soviet officials and made Khrushchev look weak. And they decided that he could no longer be the premier. So he was ousted. Um, and kind of nuclear disarmament became an idea after 1962. People had already seen the destructive power of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. Yeah, wiping out Japan and basically destroying its infrastructure for quite a long time, particularly of those two cities. And, and this, this crisis in 1962, nearly ending human life. And they thought maybe maybe we should try not to have quite so many nuclear nuclear missiles because we might kill everyone. How do you feel? Good, good. It's nothing that surprised me so far. It's stuff roughly that I know. Um, Did you know that the world nearly ended in 1962? It doesn't... That... I, I, I didn't fall out, no. But it was like, I knew... You hear so much about just the nuclear threat of ah, like so that you, kind of thing. You learn something. It's like... Partially that, yeah. Oh, good. Say, uh, no, I always learn something out of these. Well, if you feel like you've learned something. Yeah. If you at home, you listening at home feel like you've learned something, please make sure you rate and subscribe to I Don't Know History. Yeah. Available on iTunes. Oh, good platforming. iTunes, Blueberry Stitcher. Ah. Available on ra- radio. Public. Radio Public. Public. Thanks, Radio Public, for featuring us. On the Top Indies of November. If you like the man sitting next to me, you like his voice, uh, make sure you People subscribe. don't like me in this podcast. They do not like me in this podcast, guaranteed. Have they said? No, I just know. Oh. <laughs> it's like one of those things. It's like, you are the smart. This is like very nice voice, man. No, oh, it's me being much. like, I'm a fucking dork. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the comedic. Well, if you, if you feel as though you relate to the dumpy Welshman sat next to me, <laughs> then, dumpy. Uh, <laughs> then make sure you listen to his podcast, Cabaraje. Cabaraje. We are currently on hiatus. Uh, actually, the finale is out on Sunday. Well, you've got a whole um, month to catch up on the last 14 episodes. I've been in four of them. 14? So if, if excuse me, 14? 15. 18. Eight, what? We're on 18. We're on episode 18 this Sunday. Eight, episode 18 is, funny enough, the finale. Uh, for the next month, you will be getting The Unintentable Podcast, which is a bunch of nice little podcasts that um, I thought it was for friends. Um, RJ, when will Kappa RJ be returning to, your, to our ears? It will be returning in January. Uh, on the 7th, I believe. Uh, I, it's the first Sunday of January. That sounds like Which is the 10th. It's the 10th. The 10th. No, no, no. That's the not third. the 10th. It'll be... No. Come on. I would... Struggling. I would, Struggling. I would, the first Sunday of 2018. Yes. Let's call it that. The first Sunday of 2018. That's not... Artie, Why please. Why can I click? Don't worry about it. It's just... Oh, maybe it's because I wasn't pressing the right one. <laughs> All right, we finally got it's it. The it, is the it is the seventh. It is the seventh. Yeah, we return on the seventh uh, with season two. Um, but until then, you get the unintentional podcast and one special episode of the Cup Project podcast, which was our first ever pilot. Oh, and I don't know history. If, if you're concerned, I don't know history is running throughout the Christmas period, unless one of the Sundays happens to be Christmas Day, 
which I think it is. Uh, Friday of December. Oh, yeah, you might be just getting into Christmas territory then, but uh, no, you're not. You're fine. You're fine. This, we might take a little break on Sunday the 24th, as that's Christmas Eve, obviously. What do you mean Sunday? You're not Sunday. You're a Friday program. Friday the 22nd. We might be okay. No. Well, we'll wish you a Merry Christmas. Um, I'd say take Christmas and New Year's off, my friend. Podmage launches in January, so feel free to just take two weeks. Take a, well, one week off. It'd just be one. Well, you're the producer. You can tell me. I'm the showrunner. You so. can take you can take a week off. We'll see. Yeah, programming wise, you return in, um, you can return on the fifth of January. Okay, well, so, I'll well, be on the fifteenth then. Yeah, yeah, do that. Right, yeah, well. so this is the penultimate of season one, I guess. Yeah. <gasps> well, if that leaves you feeling some anticipation <laughs> then wait until we get into part two of this podcast that's gonna be fun you're interested yes I'm all right cool interested. so the cuban missile crisis has just happened RJ. Mm-hmm. we're in about 1964 the year my mother was born yeah. what's your mother if you don't mind me asking because i might have got my mother well i mean if, if, if anyone can do maths you can tell how old my mother is no i can't do quick math 1964 to 2017 my mother was 53 <laughs> Well, I'm 54. So she was born in 1963, they're not like 59. Yeah, that's completely wrong. Why am I thinking 50? My dad. My dad. See, that's 58. Potentially 57 going on 58. Something like that. Anyway, let's not talk about how old my parents are. My parents lived through this, though. Mm. You know, they were alive sort of during these tensions. Um, They were alive sort of in the 1965 to 1980 period, which is referred to as detente. Were they they in Britain at the time? Or where, where were they? My mother was. Your mother was in Britain. My father was uh, in Iran during the Iranian Revolution, which we'll get on to. Jesus. Yes. Let's talk about that. So, as I said, in 1964, Khrushchev was ousted by senior criminal officials and was replaced by a gentleman called Leonid Brezhnev. Brezhnev. So through 1962 to 1979, which is pretty much entirely Brezhnev's reign, there were other people like Yuri Andropov and Konstantin Chernenko who ruled for a couple of years at a time. So we just kind of kind of forget about them because they didn't do anything of note, really. Um, what? So detente is basically, detente is basically just like a chilling out of hostilities. Yeah. Yeah, where everyone kind of went... It's just calmed down a little bit. So in in that 17-year period, it was kind of... There were proxy conflicts. Um, it, it, it changed from being two distinct blocks of Western capitalism to and Eastern communism to various problems throughout the third world. Yeah. One of the first things that happened is the Prague Spring, which was the invasion of Czechoslovakia, right? So uh, there's a, cap- um, there's a capitalist movement in Czechoslovakia to bring back um, free elections and freedom of speech, freedom of the press, etc., freedom of movement. And communist and Eastern Bloc invasion, uh, a communist and Eastern Bloc invasion happened. So Warsaw Pact countries to put down capitalism. So it's still not chilled out that much. This is still happening because it's only in sort of in the 60s, you know? Um, all sorts of things happened in, in, in various countries. There was in Dominica, in Indonesia, there were communist capitalists fighting in Chile with a man called Augusto Pinochet, who you may know. Um, I'm not going to go into detail with these because these themselves are topics for episodes that we could do. There's so much history. What was his name? Uh, Augusto Pinochet. Okay. Pinochet? Pinochet. You know that name? No. 
finish it. You may know that name if you know anything about uh, South American history. Um, Egypt and Israel began a lengthy conflict. Um, the Six Day War in 1969, and later the Yom Kippur War in Algeria. There were problems in Iraq. There were problems. There was an Iraqi Kurd War. There was Iraqi nationalists fighting against communists. Um, the Israeli-Palestine conflict began with uh, Yasser Arafat and the Palestinian Liberation Front who were um, supported by the United States and, no, sorry, the other way around, who were supported by the USSR and Israel was supported by the USA. You can see how this is still a proxy conflict. In Somalia, in Ethiopia, uh, with uh, under Emperor Haile Selassie, uh, in Angolia and East Timor, Portuguese colonies, in Cambodia, do you know Pol Pot is? No, to, he didn't win Britain's Got Talent. That was, that was the joke. Pol Pot is the dictator of Cambodia who also murdered many people. And most notably, Vietnam, the Second Vietnam War, as it was called. Um, <clears throat> so it was fighting between North Vietnam and South Vietnam. As, they, as I said, they were split north-south. The USA involved themselves on the side of capitalist South Vietnam, and the USSR involved themselves with the communist North Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be excited to hear about this a bit more, because typically on like TV shows and stuff like that, uh, even movies, you get a lot of more right-wing kind of USA kind of thing, and TV-wise, you just get a glossing over, like, a character that would live through Vietnam. I'm not going to go with crazy character. I'm not going to go through so, Vietnam too much. No, just like is, a nice... There is reams and reams and reams of pop culture and films about Vietnam. Have you seen Full Metal Jacket? No. That's Vietnam. Have you seen Apocalypse Now? No. That's Vietnam. Have you seen Rambo? Yes. Rambo's a Vietnam veteran. Yeah. And it's, it's all like Clint Eastwood, I think, in Gran Torino is a Vietnam veteran. But you get that trope, that cliche. It's just a thing in America now. It's so, it's, it's so prevalent. It's the most recent kind of, they lost. You know, they lost the Vietnam War and that it sticks in their craw a little bit and they just try and they try and make films to make out that it wasn't so bad but it was, it was horrendous um, it was the first example of, of Americans fighting uh, against guerrilla warfare now that's not uh, that's not uh, large apes with machine guns that's guerrilla with a UE guerrilla it's a French word I don't know why what going along with it guerrilla warfare no it means because um, instead of guerrilla filming it's like film just Going up there. No, yeah. guerrilla warfare is very different. It means um, attacking an army in not so um, scrupulous means. So if, if I'm the Vietnamese, there might be 10 of us, we see a patrol of 50 US soldiers. They just um, go for we, it. we hide in the trees and throw grenades at them. Uh, so, no, yeah, so it's you know, kind of making up as you go along. And kind of similar to kind of how the war in Afghanistan and Iraq was fought in some ways, how there were um, Taliban troops just hiding amongst the normal people. And the, the, the American soldiers never knew when they were really under attack and they were constantly under threat. It was a horrible war. And the Vietnamese, as far as American culture dictates, were brutal with the American prisoners of war. Absolutely brutal. And it was the first uh, introduction, really, of chemical weapons in war. There were some in the Korean War, and there were some in um, the First World War. They used mustard gas and stuff. They decided not to use that. In World War II, they said, let's not, because it's horrific. But in Vietnam, there was things like Agent Orange, which, um, because the Viet, uh, the Viet Cong, they were referred to, um, 
hidden the trees. The planes went over with this chemical called Agent Orange, which would wipe out all plant life. Utterly destroying ecosystems, so they couldn't hide there. Uh, napalm was first used. Yeah. Have you seen that extremely That's famous photo of the, the little girl whose her skin's peeling off because she's covered in napalm? No. It's horrific. You should see it. Wait, is it the one that I'm actually thinking of? Probably. It's one of the most noteworthy photos of all time. Oh. If you look like Vietnam napalm photo. Napalm girl. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the one. I that's didn't the... realize that was a skin coming off. Mm -hmm. It's a skin and clothes and things like that. It's just been burnt away because napalm's horrific. Oh, God. I didn't realize that because just the picture just looks like, you know, she, she was just, I, I, I never understood why it was naked. It was shit. It was a horrible war. Um, <clears throat> and it ended in what most people like to call a stalemate, but the USA retreated. Yeah. And... Um, the South Vietnamese did win eventually, and Vietnam became a sort of. Or did they? I didn't even know. I think I think Vietnam might have been. I should have looked into this more. Became a communist nation after that. Or it's not good. America went and lost. Yeah, you're looking it up for me. Uh, what is Vietnam a communist country? Uh, oh, hello. I don't. I don't. It isn't anymore. Um. Uh, who won the Vietnam War? Is that yeah? Yeah, there we go. Uh, the truth is that our military won the war, but our politicians lost it. The communists in North Vietnam actually signed a peace treaty, effectively surrendering, but the U.S. Congress didn't hold up its end of the bargain. So it definitely is a stalemate by the by the sounds of it. Yeah. So the USA won, but, but it was a but, but politically. <laughs> politically. Do you remember I talked lost. to you about the term pyrrhic victory? Mm, yes. A pyrrhic victory, where you win but you lose so many men that it may as well be a loss. Yeah. It's like um, it's like a lawsuit that where you spend so much money on mm. on it mm. that you come out of it and you're like, I gained nothing from that. I legally won, yeah. but I lost everything exactly else. Exactly that. So after the Vietnam War, that was a kind of an escalation of things and it kind of chilled out again. Do you remember I told you about how the Chinese and Russians weren't getting along so well? Yeah. Well, the president at this point, Richard Nixon, mm -hmm. JFK has been shot in the head at this point, by this point by Lee Harvey Oswald. And Lyndon B. Johnson's been and gone as well. So here's Richard Nixon. <clears throat> uh, he made use of these USSR-Chinese tension and in 1972, he, uh, he made, he announced a stunning, the word is rapprochement, with China. Now, rapprochement is kind of like a, we used to be enemies, but now we're kind of friends. Ding. And basically, we're like, the, China was on the USA side now. Or at least relations were much better. And they were kind of against the USSR. And it just kind of put the USSR in a difficult position. Um, despite the fact that they had almost nuclear parity at this point, um, they had, the, the arms race was right on a knife edge. You couldn't really have called it. Um, I need to point out as well that throughout all this, there is an arms race going on. Who can build more weapons faster? Now, I can't tell you. Like, you've, you've heard enough about wars and stuff, about money running out. How much of a drain that puts on your economy? Just building guns, building bombs, building armies, and throwing foreign aid into these countries like Korea and Vietnam and Congo and Iran and Iraq and Somalia, Ethiopia. I already said Congo. Cuba. Like, where's, where's all this money coming from? It's not coming from anywhere. It's, yeah. coming, it's coming from the industrialization that happens and the, the nuclear industry, basically. And as soon as that stops, they're going to run out of money. In about 1979, the detente finished. 
let's say. There was a deterioration of relations um, because Brezhnev was not a very nice man. Um, Jimmy Carter was the president. He tried to continue to limit the arms race, but worldly events kind of conspired against him as well. There was a revolution in Nicaragua, which ousted, pro, ousted a pro-US government. And there was also one, uh, something that is very close to, to me, uh, the Iranian revolution where the Shah of Iran, who was uh, put in place, I mentioned this earlier, when the USA um, CIA-backed plan to oust Mohammad Mossadegh uh, replaced the ruling, replaced him as head of state with uh, the king, the Shah. Muhammad, at this point, it's Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, the Shah of Iran, he was known as. He was a very charismatic figure. They were a very pro-US country, very, almost Western, almost completely Americanized. But um, there was, an, it was a revolution, an Islamic revolution, led by uh, Ayatollah Khomeini, who, in my opinion, is the worst man he's ever lived. <laughs> but I shan't get into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that happened. And they, again, they ousted the pro-US government. And you kind of, at this point, you do start to get a rise in Islamic fundamentalism. Uh, talking about uh, after Carter left office, you had Ronald Reagan, who did not like communists at all. Did not like communists at all. Um, so communists in Afghanistan were rebelled against by the Mujahideen. So there was a communist government put in place in Afghanistan, and the Mujahideen, the Islamic rebels, um, rebelled. Guess who they were led by? He's spinning the roller decks. Yeah. Gone. Someone who's dealt with Afghanistan for a while. Oh, oh, no. I'm completely wrong then. Go on. There's no such thing as a silly answer. Oh, there's always a silly answer. Was, I was on the wrong end of it. Osama bin Laden. Oh, yeah, was no. involved in the fighting. No, no, I, was gonna, I was going to go Russia again. No, no. <laughs> Osama bin Laden was involved with these uh, Afghani Mujahideen. Mm-hmm. And guess, guess what country backed him and them? What? The United States of America. What? Yep. I was like, that can't be. Because when you say guess who backed them, I was just like, in the 80s, the American government gave money and arms and training to Osama bin Laden and the Taliban. It's just it's such a, it's such a, like a... You know how, like, yeah. the Battle of Hastings and all the, and, like, the Tudors, all that came across, like, Game of Thrones? Mm-hmm. Like, very dramatic and really fun. Like, obviously devastating and obviously tragic, but, like, ultimately would make a really good show. This obviously because we live in this era, it's just essentially like Game of Thrones again. That plot point of being like, here's some arms, here's something, build up your kingdom, essentially, and do better in the world. 20 years later, everything fucking goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's just it's just the way that the Cold War changed people. It was such like a, a one-ton period where people went, oh, you're on our side, it doesn't matter. You're, you, you're against the Russians? That's fine, you're our friend. So, yeah. Towards the end of the 70s and the early 80s, people realized that the Cold War was too expensive. 
And it kind of, again, it kind of settled down because people just didn't have enough money, particularly, particularly there was the no, Russians. Uh, like, profit. No, there's no, there's no profit coming in, especially from the Russians where the, the massive industrialization is slowed down because they, they're at the right stage now. Um, they're just building arms, they're building bombs. That industry is like, slowing down as well because... You can take certain <clears throat> wars into the fact of saying, like, it's a war for oil, it's a yeah, war for exactly. land, it's a war for power, whereas this is just kind of it's petty a war, fighting. It's a war for ideology. Yeah. Well, ideology doesn't make you no money. So stop. <laughs> exactly. And the, the fact is that um, with nuclear disarmament happening and, and a reduction in <clears throat> nuclear arms, that industry is dying. The arms race is slowing down. The space race is done, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like no one's really pumping money into there. So there's nothing. There's nothing coming out. There's no money coming out. Everyone just goes, oh, gosh. Um, Brezhnev's gone by this point. Mm-hmm. He's replaced by. Probably the most, the person who was the most instrumental in ending the Cold War, uh, David Hasselhoff. No. According to him. Imagine. Imagine. According to him, he was instrumental in bringing down the Berlin Wall. It was actually Mikhail Gorbachev and um, George Bush. Why does he think he was instrumental? Oh, because he's deluded. To be fair, he was quite popular. If you're listening, David Hasselhoff. He was Hasselhoff. quite popular in Germany and also in the US. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Mikhail Gorbachev came into office. Um, he was the least, probably the least uh, enthusiastic communist who ever lived. Um, he came up with two very important reforms. Um, they are referred to as glasnost and perestroika. Mm-hmm. These are the Russian words. Perestroika means restructuring. Basically, what Perestroika did, it, it Perestroika by itself kind of destroyed capital, destroyed communism, because it uh, it was a reform that allowed private ownership of business, it encouraged foreign investment, and it relaxed the production quota. So be, these state-run businesses aren't trying to get so many things built all at the same time, and it's allowed people to get like foreign investors to come and go. He will give you some money. That's where money's coming from. He's trying to he's trying to strengthen the economy. So this is what he's doing because he knows that he knows that this communist um, dogma isn't going to work anymore. And glasnost means openness. What glasnost did was it allowed freedom of press, which is for the first time in God knows how long. Um, transparency of state institutions as well. And that was to try and deal with um, undo the corruption in the Central Communist Committee and moderate abuse of power, which there have been since the days of Stalin. He'd gone, right, I'm the leader, I'm the leader, I'm the leader. Like, Gorbachev kind of went, yes, this is not really how communism is supposed to be. Everyone's supposed to be equal. So if we know about the political goings on at the top, then everyone else should. If we have the power to speak speak our minds, everyone else should. Yeah, that's communism. Because what was happening in the in, this, in the Soviet Union, like Soviet communism, wasn't really communism. It was it was autocracy. It was so it was so similar in some ways to the Nazi government. You couldn't say anything bad about the Kremlin. The Kremlin, by the way, if I have ever said that, means the the Soviet government. Yeah, I was guessing. Can't say anything bad about the Kremlin. Can't say anything bad about Stalin. Can't be a, be a capitalist. You're not, you're not even allowed to leave. <laughs> like, how is that the freest expression of government? Yeah. You know, it is. Um, it also helped um, Gorbachev to fight off internal oppositions because if the press is transparent, they can report their own opinions and the people are going to be more supportive of him. 
Um, yeah, Gorbachev was probably the, the, the most important person in ending the Cold War. Um, <clears throat> Reagan, Ronald Reagan, the president at this point, was a stubborn old man. He did not want to be friends with the Russians. Yeah. However, because of democracy, he was gone fairly shortly afterwards. <laughs> He was an actor, wasn't he? He was an actor in the 50s, yeah. God, we're really bad at, like... Uh, like the UK's been fine with it. We haven't hired any actors, have we? Or any well, maybe in 30 years, Mark Wright will be the Prime Minister. Bill Nye. Imagine Bill Nye. Bill Nye? Yeah. Or Bill Nye the Science Guy? No, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Nye. He'd be a fun Prime Minister. Oh, God. So smooth. Mm. So Reagan's, <laughs> Reagan's replacement was George Bush. George Herbert Walker Bush. That's, Bush Senior. Yeah, I was going to say that's Bush yeah. Senior. George W. Bush's father. Now, while he gets a, he gets a lot of bad press for the Cold War, oh, the Gulf War, yeah. which he kind of deserves, he was quite instrumental in ending the Cold War as well because he was like, all right, Gorby, let's do this. They signed the disarmament treaties. In 1989, Gorbachev withdrew from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. At the Malta summit in 1989, they declared that the Cold War was over. Now, whether or not you think the Cold War was over at this point isn't the question. It's either now, later this year, or in 1991. Poland and Hungary began to allow free elections. Mm-hmm. Romania and Bulgaria uh, overthrew the communist rules. Uh, well, it was a violent one in Romania. In Bulgaria, it just kind of fizzled out. In November 1989, the Berlin Wall was torn down. Yeah. Now, a lot of people think that's the definitive end of the Cold War. In 1991, the USSR became the Confederation of Independent States, or CIS, which you may see if you watch old football matches from the early 90s. You might see the CIS with all the Russian players playing against Germany and that, um, which was uh, to distance itself from being the Soviet Union and just to kind of rename itself something else. But the Russians, um, the Russian declaration of it was to kind of allow these other Soviet socialist republics to more sort of peacefully divorce themselves from the Soviet Union. I mean, we're a confederation of independent states. You are independent, so you can kind of go and do your own thing. Within this confederation, they can start making their own laws and stuff and make it a lot easier to become fully independent. Yeah. Official, it officially was dissolved on Boxing Day 1991. Nice thing to wake up to after Christmas. And then you had Russia and Boris Yeltsin, who was the first leader of Russia. Wait, so Russia... Mm-hmm. What, so the Soviet... Has Russia always been Russia, or was that... Okay, so because that's what, that's what I'm confused at now. Because when we started the podcast, it was like the Soviet Union. I was like, cool, that's Russia. Yeah. And then I was, then you're like, then Russia formed. I was like, wait, what? It hasn't always been Russia. So Russia is, if you think about Russia as uh, outside of a political territory, more of a, as a geographical area. Yeah. Yeah. Russia is that particular area. It ends at the River Volga, I think. Mm-hmm. You've got a map up there, if that helps. <laughs> it's not a particularly good map. You've also got uh, countries like Ukraine and Eastern European countries like Lithuania and Estonia and Eastern Poland and Belarus and Kazakhstan, uh, all these places. They, the, Belarus was Belarus. If you were from Belarus, if that area, you were Belarusian. If you were from Latvia, you were Latvian. Yep. If you were from the, fin- the Finnish Soviet uh, SSR, you were Finnish. 
but the Soviet Union was one country. If you imagine, imagine Yugoslavia. Wait, so you're saying all this, like they were all part of the Soviet Union? Yes. Okay. But Russia was its own place. Russia, was Russia became a country. Yeah. Prior to um, that, it had been. Wait, Russia was separate to these as well? Or that, that's, that's the bit that I'm getting confused at. Because they're like, all of them were the Soviet Union. Yeah. And the Soviet Union formed in what year? Uh, 1917. 1917, okay. So, you're saying Soviet Union, these mm. countries. So, imagine it like the UK, yeah. a country of countries, essentially. Yeah. That's what the Soviet Union was. Pretty and much. then when it's, when it's stopping, um, Russia, what was Russia before the Soviet Union? Was it exactly the same? The Russian Empire. The Russian Empire. Yes. Which can, which, uh, so it's always been Russia. Yes, again, Russia is a geographical area as well as a, a political country. I wasn't sure if the Soviet Union broke up and Russia was like, new name. <laughs> think about it. Think about it like America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go, let's say... Who came up with the name America? Oh, I've got no idea. That's, that's going to mess me up now. Well, let's talk about that next time. So inside of the United, the United States of America is one country, right? Everyone in it is American. Yeah. However... Texas also exists. And while Texas is a state, and if it was to secede from the Union, it would become a political country, it is also a geographical area. Anyone from it is Texan, yet also American. Anyone from the Russian Soviet Socialist Republic, because that's what it was called at the time, was Russian, but they were also Soviet, as was anyone from Ukrainian. So it's like being Welsh, but also British. Yes. You're Ukrainian if you're from Ukraine, but you're a Soviet. This makes it easier. Yeah. No, just because I was... Hungary, Romania, and Bulgaria. Cool. Think about Yugoslavia. Do you know much about Yugoslavia? You were, you were Yugoslavian, but you were also Romanian or uh, Slovakian. I'm not sure Slovakia was in Yugoslavia. Or uh, Croatian or Kosovo or things like that. British history classes are just fucking shit. Well, they just... They, they, gloss over, they give you enough to sort of get to grips with it, I think. They give you grips with, like, what is in your area, but not enough to empathize with the rest of the world. How much about the aftermath of the Cold War, do you know? This is sort of approaching our lifetimes now. Yeah, we're in 91. 91. I was so, born in 92. You were in 94. Excuse me, I'm not Gen Z. I'm a millennial. Okay. Gen Z has officially been titled as 90, 95 to 2012. Oh, okay. So I'm a millennial, just apparently. Cool. So the European Union became a thing. Uh, the European Economic Community had existed for a while with the Treaty of Rome in, I can't remember the year, 1946 maybe. Um but the European Union became a thing uh, in the early 90s with the Maastricht Treaty uh-huh. and later the Treaty of Lisbon as well. So there you have more, it's the rebuilding of Europe again. Um, Germany became a thing okay, because Germany didn't exist as, as a sovereign nation, not just, not as Germany. What? Yeah. No. What? It wasn't Germany. Germany only, has only existed since 1991. As, as we know it now. As we know, no, because that, that, that fucked me up. Yeah? Because you just like, because you're about Germany versus, you know, the world mm-hmm. in World War Two. So now you're telling me, I'm actually mind blown by this, that Germany, as we know it today, isn't the Germany that we exactly fought in World War Two. I mean, it is and isn't. It's like part of it is Germany that we knew back then, but now it's grown a little 
an adding stuff or is it shrunk a little? It's shrunk a little. Shrunk a little. Yeah. Shrunk a little. Germany's an interesting one because um, up until 1870, it didn't exist. 1871. What Germany, was it until 1870? A collection of uh, various different states, and prior to that, it was um, the Holy Roman Empire, the Eastern Frankish Empire, Lotharingia, uh, Bavaria, all these various pen kingdoms. In 1871, Otto von Bismarck. Um, I just, this is another episode. In 1871, it became Germany, uh, and then in 19, <laughs> then it existed for what 60 years? Oh my god! It existed for what uh, 29 and 40, yeah, about. Germany's had a wild ride. 60, 70 years, stop being Germany, and then it's only been Germany again for 26 years. Seeing as Germany did what Germany did in World War II, Mm -hmm. to me, I just go, if I was in charge of Germany after all that, I'd go like, I feel like we should change our name at this point. Rebrand. Just... Yeah. It's just, just like, at least that way, Soviet Union did it. They were like, it'd be Westy Brand. It should be West Germany. Be your Just separate. Germany didn't have a choice what they were called after World War II. <laughs> it, was, it was down to the Russians and the Americans and the French. Okay. Like, it's West Germany and East Germany. And if they called it, like, they could have called, like, instead of West Germany and East Germany, they could have just gone Greg and Sharon. <laughs> And obviously, there are better names to call these places. But I love the Chancellor of Greg. Um, is <laughs> no, Greg, Greg is a name. You've got places like Chad in the world. That's what happened. I go back in time and create a Chad. Name one other place that's named after a person. <laughs> Georgia. There we go. There, yeah. Another? Uh, no, no. It's a stretch of a metaphor, but no. I'll let you have it, RJ. Uh, just, just the same. We see popular culture references to the Cold War everywhere today. You played, even, even just as far as um, Russians being the baddies. You played Call of Duty? No. Okay, so in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the baddies are Russians. They're often Russians. In, in huge amounts of uh, novels and stuff, the baddies are Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, even as far as like games like uh, Metal Gear Solid. You ever play Metal Gear Solid? Uh, so again. You ever play Metal Gear Solid? Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid 3 set during the Cold War. Oh, no, I know, I know about the game. I've never played it. I've only played Metal Gear Solid 2. 2 set in 2010, so. Yeah. One of them set in 1964. There's just Cold War stuff all over the place. Mm. All over the place. And even now, it's like, oh, the, the Russians are a bit funny and the Americans are the old enemy, you know? <laughs> yeah. The Russians are like the Americans' old enemy, whereas the Germans are our old enemy, and then the French are our even older enemy. We'll get on to the Anglo-French relations in a much later podcast. <laughs> because the 100 so years war cover. is no fun. You know, you, you never just want to cover that. You, know, I will like do, a, you don't do that war. I don't do the test. It'll, it'll be a all right, fine. Um, it'll be <laughs> I'll do other. It'll be a four-part episode. No, I meant like you don't have to do that if I don't have to do the test. No, you have well, to do like, the test. I'll do that. I'll do that. Just say you have to do the test. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you rate and subscribe. Uh, subscribe to me on Twitter. I'm at Alex O'Keefe. Subscribe to the podcast at. IDK well, history? Uh, but I, just at Podmage, make our lives easier. Oh, I, I don't want too many pod, I don't want too many Twitter accounts bouncing around. At Podmage, if you for all your I don't know history news. Okay. Give us a five star rating. Uh, make sure you watch all the other vast cat now very quickly becoming a vast catalogue of podcasts. Yes. Uh, God, we have 
a whole week filled currently. Uh, not every single week, some are bi-weekly podcasts, like the one you're, you're currently listening to. That's sweet. Uh, but every day is currently filled. I'm looking forward to the new year because that'll be a solid straight seven days of podcasts coming out. And then obviously that'll change for the second week and so on. Yeah, I'm just that paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> if we goddamn get some money, um, which is a discussion for a future day, we have got some plans in the works. Oh, well, there you go. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. We, I'm very excited for all this. I hope this works. I hope Podmage works. I've well, got a lot of work to do. I'm very excited. Who knows? Visit podmage.com and subscribe to as many podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast as well. Leave us a five-star rating. Podmage launches in January, along with the rest of the podcast. Keep it in your favorites, I guess. Please make sure you listen to the rest of the episodes that are coming. And Bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm plugging my website now. Listen to my podcast, read my blogs, and if you want, you can hire me to do all sorts of work. I'm a videographer, audiographer, not audiographer, I'm a podcast maker, and radiographer, not radiographer, that's fucking... A radio man. I am a radio dude. That's where I got my start. And I'm Alex, and I do history. Goodbye, everyone.